Welcome to Two Open Doors, the podcast that explores our power to open or close the doors of relationship with the important people in our lives. We hope you'll learn from and share your wisdom with our community. Thanks for joining us. We sometimes hear others say that their intimate relationship is failing or has failed. We may feel that about some of our own relationships. Sometimes that statement comes as an angry and frustrated accusation, and sometimes it comes as a sad and dejected lament. But in all cases, it's a statement that's laden with emotion. Our core relationships are centrally important to us as humans, so it's to be expected that turmoil in that area of our lives will move us deeply. There are many issues that lurk beneath the perception of a failed relationship. In this episode, we'll unpack and examine those. In looking at a relationship and gauging that it has failed, we're explicitly or implicitly judging that the relationship has failed to meet our hopes and expectations for that personal connection. Perhaps we sense that our partner shows signs of lack of commitment to us, or that their priorities lie elsewhere, or that their vision for the evolution of the relationship differs from ours. Relationships come with a host of hopes, dreams, and aspirations, and the deeper the relationship, the more important to us those hopes are. As we've noted in prior episodes, the partners in an intimate relationship are not independent of one another. They become interdependent as they weave their lives together. Such interdependence doesn't mean embracing the unhealthy behaviors of codependence. Rather, it reflects the joyful willingness of the partners to accept that they can rely on one another and that each partner is willing to make sacrifices for the benefit of the other. Because of this interdependence, it's crucially important that the partners agree on at least the high-level outline of their shared life. Without that, it's likely that the unshared portions of their life vision will make it hard for each partner to fully support the other's divergent goals and aspirations. The ability to share broad alignment across important life goals and perspectives is an important ingredient in ensuring long-term compatibility. What can lead us to conclude that an intimate relationship isn't working? Basically, our shared relationship goals and expectations provide a yardstick that we can use to gauge whether the relationship remains on course or not. If our expectations are repeatedly violated, we are likely to feel growing dissatisfaction, disappointment, and lack of support. Over time, those feelings can undermine our trust in our partner and our belief that they are present for us. Without trust, we can't be relaxed in our relationship. We begin to assume a self-protective stance, which makes us less open to and invested in our partner. That can easily become a death spiral for the relationship. Apart from cases of abrupt and radical betrayal of a partner, such as in the occurrence of a sexual or emotional infidelity, relationships usually deteriorate over time. They slowly bleed intimacy and closeness until they reach a point of life-threatening disconnection. The slowness of this deterioration can make it hard to discern that all is not well in the relationship. That's the sort of insidious malaise that occurs in many, ultimately failed marriages, in which the couple's engagement and mutual caring can dwindle over the course of many years. By the time such a couple realizes that their relationship is no longer breathing, they may no longer have the energy or commitment that's needed for recovery. Let's now return to the idea of relationship failure. I put that term in quotes because the term masks a dollop of negative judgment that can obscure the possible benefits of ending the relationship. We'll return to that theme in our next episode. 
Relationships are living and evolving things whose value cannot be gauged at any particular point in time. Thus, judging a relationship as good or bad, successful or failed, doesn't fairly tell the story of the relationship. One of the core realities of a healthy relationship is that it delivers value to its participants over time. For me, one of the sweeter aspects of being in a loving relationship is that I know that I can always rely on the love that's at the core of the relationship. That's a constant source of security, encouragement, and validation. A relationship also functions as a sort of emotional bank account, in which a couple's myriad daily decisions and actions serve to deposit to or withdraw from that emotional account. It's not just the big, splashy, special celebrations that bring meaning to a relationship. It's at least as much the little things that do so. The pattern of deposits and withdrawals over time determines how large a balance that account holds at present. A strong positive balance can serve as a buffer to mitigate the negative effects of a large withdrawal. If a partner perceives a long-term pattern of ongoing investments in the relationship, it's more likely that he or she will be able to treat a breach in the relationship, that is, an emotional withdrawal, as a one-time aberration rather than as yet another disappointment or betrayal. Judging that a relationship has failed is a summary judgment that a partner's critical needs are not being met or that mutual commitment no longer exists in the relationship. In making such a judgment, all of the perceived prior good delivered by the relationship is no longer deemed sufficient to warrant a partner's continuing investment in that relationship. Reaching such a conclusion saps the commitment and goodwill that are essential to the continuation of a relationship. As such, concluding that a relationship has failed is basically a death sentence, or perhaps an epitaph, for the relationship. As one example that I consider very instructive, I sometimes think about my parents' marriage. They were together for 71 years before my father's recent death. It's hard for me to imagine being together with someone for that length of time. From my outsider's perspective, my father was basically a good man, but one who never fully recognized the gem that my mother is. Her beliefs led her to serve and attend to my dad throughout his life. Even in his final days, she was cooking him three meals a day, even though at 94 years old, she didn't really have the energy to do so. In raising eight children, she never had a chance to spread her wings and be supported by him in doing so. Was that marriage a failure? If the growth of both partners is a yardstick, I would have to conclude that it was. She never had a chance to exercise her sharp intellect, or let her strong artistic side blossom, or cultivate the social connections of which she was capable. From my outsider's perspective, though, she feels very content in having fulfilled her mission for both her children and her husband. Ultimately, she feels that her relationship was a success in all the ways that matter to her. I defer to her judgment, which is the one that counts. We humans are goal-driven creatures who are continually assessing how we're doing with respect to securing the things we want out of life. Since our relationships are a major source of satisfaction for us, we, of course, are sensitive to the health or possible dysfunction of those relationships. We continually make internal judgments of those relationships based on our beliefs and feelings about both our partners and ourselves. Note, though, that our internal judgments reflect everything we've learned in the course of becoming who we are at present. This includes our religious beliefs, social norms and expectations, our self-image and feelings about ourselves, and innumerable other biasing factors. If those factors are too negative, 
such as in expecting perfect behavior from ourselves as gauged by external norms, our self-judgments are likely to be unrealistically harsh. In the case of a troubled relationship, negative self-judgment might lead us to conclude that we have unilaterally caused the failure of our relationship, when in reality, our partner might well have made significant contributions to the relationship's troubles. Ensuring balanced and objective self-judgment of a relationship state might well require consultation with a caring but less biased outside observer, such as a good friend or a counselor. In addition to whatever judgments we may personally make about our relationships, others may well chime in as well. Often, for example, family members may look at one's relationships from the outside, and they may either affirm or advocate against a relationship. Because our family members may be a strong influence in our lives, we may find ourselves concerned with how they see the state of our relationships. We may wonder whether our mother would approve of how our partner is treating us, or whether our father might think that our partner is being overly controlling. Of course, external observers can't directly experience our life, so they can't possibly fully understand our own feelings and perceptions. It's important to think for ourselves and to trust to our own well-considered judgments of our relationships. To learn more about Two Open Doors and to engage with our community, I'd like to invite you to visit the Two Open Doors private Facebook group, the Two Open Doors meetup group, and the Two Open Doors website and blog at twoopendoors.com. I also invite you to contact me directly by writing to me at claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, at twoopendoors.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'll use your inputs to guide my work on future blog posts and podcast episodes. Thanks for visiting Two Open Doors.